Um, welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. To prepare for our Big Book Study, let's get focused by having a three-moment uh, meditation with the monks, followed by the Foglight Prayer. Good evening, everyone. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and my name is Doc. Hi, Doc. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. What's up, Doc? Thanks for joining Ooh. us tonight. That was funny. I haven't heard that one before. Today. We're going to start the meditation in a, mi- in a minute. So please take a moment to get situated. Uh, turn off devices that will make noise or distract you, and that would be Xboxes, Playstations, your F- SPN, big screen TV, you know, everything else in the house. Uh, matter of fact, there have some like suggestions for these Zoom electronic video meetings, and those suggestions are? That there's a little bit of etiquette that maybe you want to... Uh, actually receive what an AA meeting has to offer by simply attending it. And that means not lying in bed half-dressed and only listening, but actually putting some effort into attending uh, an electronic meeting by getting dressed, sitting in a chair or at the table, and uh, acting like your grand sponsor was sitting next to you. Or your sponsor. I have a tie on. Bring your big book. Bill says bring your big book. Bring your big book. Um, the coffee area is at your discretion. Also, please refrain from disturbing others by mindlessly chattering in the chat box. Perhaps we might just want to sit back and listen for a while. Enough waves to everybody as we go there. We're checking Tinder. That's and if you're it. and if you're on, if you are on Zoom and you're running live, please leave your phone in the living room when you go to the restroom. Oh, and idea. mute it. Good idea. Um, take this time. Nope, for meditation. 
I don't even see. Oh, okay. For the meditation, some suggestions are, in fact, we had long suggestions on the different kinds of meditations on the drive over here. But here's one. Focus your breath and posture. Breathe in God and breathe out self. Sit up straight, remain uncomfortable, which the whole purpose of a meditation is to like, so I can hear myself a little bit more, to to be in the now. So when we're in the now, that's when we can focus. Right. It's not going to sleep. So let's take this, my mic, can you yak me up a little bit? Take this time to get reconnected to God. Let the crazy, thank you, let the craziness of the day, a little louder, of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused today. So as the monks come in. We are going to take time to find God. I'm distracted by trying to translate the Latin in my head. Don't. Go with the hum. See you guys in three minutes.
So, do you feel better? I feel much better. Yeah, I don't hear Doc much. Uh, if you guys want to do a fog light prayer with us, it is God. God. Let your love shine through me like a fog light. So those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. Um, we're going to start off with our secretary's report, and we have a special guest tonight. We got Joey going to come up and read our sp- secretary's report. Uh, let's give him a rousing round of applause. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. Hey, Joey. You can read the recovered statement yourself, too. All right. Hi. Hello, everyone. My name is Joey, and I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hi, Joey. I'm keeping with the seven tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting and declining outside contributions. The baskets were going around. Not really, but... Um, Make your contributions to your area intergroup. That's right. And if you can track down general service, send them some money. And I tell you one, for all you Zooming people, the intergroup of New York City, which is sponsoring a lot of these Zoom meetings, send them some money because, you know, we're not putting them in the baskets and not getting set up the tree. So track those people down. That's you can right. always find people that owe you money. Find the people you can send that to. That's right. Thank you, Mike. You're Cheers. welcome. Uh, we read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Again, Joey, alcoholic, recovered alcoholic, this is the recovered statement. Uh, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured, this presents a conflict to some alcoholics If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for a lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. So, uh, 1940s style big book sponsorship from forward to second edition Alcoholics Anonymous of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried 50% got sober at once and remained that way 25% sobered up after some relapses and among the remainder those who stayed on with AA showed some improvement what we've seen felt come to believe and experience is that God has not changed over time and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms the statistics above suggest a 75% success rates. Just so everyone knows, we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, which we will sterilize and send over to you, as well as little red books and big book dictionaries also for sale. We meet every Monday, properly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery tune. However, Zoom fellowship begins... 645, 645 in the Zoom room. That's right. So, yeah. See, see you all next week. Hey, Thursday. Don't forget Thursday. Thursday. Oh, I apologize. Uh, Thursday. If you're into this, you'll really love Thursday. Doc is going over Tradition 5, and it's been really great, and uh, we've loved having them. Um, and so, Tradition 4, I think. Or 4, excuse me. Yeah. 
Uh, tune in for that. It's good. Four to, or five, yeah. Four or five Fugazi. It's, it's all about God anyway. So he, he does a great job and look forward to seeing you there. As we like to say, it's not your grandmother's tradition study. It's energetic, lively, and current in life. So check that critter out. Um, from the forward of the book... From the forward of the first edition of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, we have Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered Amen. from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this group and of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. From there is a solution also from the big book. The tremendous fact of every one of us, for every one of us, excuse me, is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. You know, this is an open meeting. Boy, it's an open now, right? And as such, all who have an interest in alcoholism in the program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you need not identify yourself nor your reason for being here if you do not wish to do so. Your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect yours. Like my second marriage. Can we have a show of hands? It was open. Uh, Joining us, people joining us for the first time, and then the recovered alcoholics. Yeah, so you newcomers wave on your know, little wave in your comments page, so and the recovered folks, it. let's do a cross, let's do the palm thing, you know, the palm, whatever that is. Uh, while this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly. Recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. Responsibilities. Does anybody need a big book? Well, contact your neighborhood at... You know what? That's the only thing that keeps us going, right? Mm -hmm. We need $20 million a year to keep New York going, or to keep the the business going. And if everybody, if 10% of all the known members that have a year or more were to send in $100 a year, we could give every big book away free. Wow. Or, but since that's not happening, since contact not happening, your local intergroup. Yeah, go to your intergroup. <laughs> or your uh, clubhouse, wherever that happens to be. So before we begin our study of the big book, last week we reviewed Tradition 2. Let's take a quick review of Tradition 3. Please refer in the unabridged book to page 562. That's the big fat one that has like 500 pages. And the unabridged book, which is page 177, which has like 177 pages. And that's Bill. And once again, it's nice to have Bill back in the saddle. Hi, everybody. My name is Bill, and I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. Um, I'm going to give a brief overview. It shouldn't take more than an hour or two uh, on Tradition 3, which reads in the short form, uh, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. And the long form says, our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism. Hence, we may refuse none who wish to recover. Nor ought AA membership ever depend upon money or conformity. Any two or three alcoholics gathered together for sobriety may call themselves an AA group, provided that, as a group, they have no other affiliation. AA is not just a practical program for recovery. It is also a practical program for living. And as with the steps... The traditions seek to help us as groups to balance 
the conundrum of living as a human being and temporal considerations, food, shelter, clothing, interacting with other people, and our higher selves, a spiritual level. And and I think that this this tradition uh, certainly does that, and I'd like to talk about that. Um, most people would say, yeah, I know this tradition. You know, I, if I say I'm an alcoholic, I can come to an AA meeting. You can't keep me out. Eh, true enough. But some of the history behind this is that in the beginning, groups were very fragile. And the whole concept of an AA fellowship was very fragile. And, and people uh, put up all kinds of obstacles or requirements, not because they were arrogant or egotistic, although that may be the case for some, they were afraid of their own sobriety, that if we let the wrong people in, they will disturb this process of trying to work these steps and to recover. And they were concerned not only for their own personal recovery, but also for the group. AA did not have the reputation that it has today. It, it, it was fairly unknown. And they were afraid that if they let the wrong people in, that AA would be shunned and, and not well received by the general public and therefore uh, uh, hurt its, its influence and ability to help others and to recover. Uh, those were considerations. But, uh, and, and in fact, various groups had a lot of various qualifications. And at one point, the, the Foundation Center, which became our, our uh, New York, uh, had everybody had all the groups send in their requirements, and, and when they aggregated all those requirements, in fact, Bill Wilson himself would not have qualified to be an AA. That was disastrous, and and so it became the general consensus that we couldn't keep anyone out for any reason. And the, and the thinking behind that is, and and those were practical considerations that they were trying to work with. The more spiritual side of things, when they were debating this back and forth, who can we let in, who can we let out, you know, they, they said, what would God do? Would God keep out the poor or uh, the, the ones who've been incarcerated or those who seem hopeless, et cetera, et cetera? And they, and they decided no. So they, they took the high road. They took more of a spiritual approach. And, and that's where they came up with the idea that no one who had a desire to stop drinking, who needed recovery, could be kept out. And, and I think that that's proven the wisdom of this program and, and this fellowship, because now, because we allow that, the, the, and, and because of the success that we've achieved over the years, AA is really well received. No one ever talks about uh, AA as being a place where a bunch of drunks and, and criminals and, and what have you uh, come to, they, they see that as an organization that just is out to help alcoholics recover from alcoholism, not only helping individuals, but helping society as a whole. So uh, I think what it demonstrates here is the practicality. When they say a practical program of recovery, it means that it's a program that not only manages the, the temporal existence where we have to function in life and, and as a human being, but it also allows us to function at a high level, the, the, to, to uh, represent and, and acknowledge and utilize the God within us all. And, and I think that, that that's the ultimate practicality where they can merge those two things. I think we've demonstrated that in the steps, 
And we consistently demonstrate that in the traditions. So if you are struggling with that conundrum, as I have, uh, I think that you can look to the steps and the traditions to help you through that. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks, Bill. You're going to have a seat because you're joining us again for the whole hour. So demanding. Uses the word I just think that's a cool word. I love it. And that was a great thank you. Um, if I only knew what it meant. Yeah. In order for us, I'm sure somebody will text you eventually. In order to help us stay focused as we study the Big Book, let's, we use the Big Book Study Guide, which was prepared by Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Group with a lot of help from tell, Joe and tell Charlie. Tell us about Krusty Cliff. Did he wear a red, red nose and orange hair? No, he was one of the most amazing people in Dallas that was studied the book and has brought thousands of people to God. they got an amazing group out there. Krusty Cliff is great. Uh, you can also look up um, Cliff. I forget his last initial. But he's got some good, I'll get you a good speaker tape for him. Oh. So tonight we picked, uh, we picked Bill to be our reader and our tri-host tonight. So what happens is, tonight we're going to have Bill read from page 39-ish, which will be read today from Bill. After the page is read, we're going to ask questions from the podium or lecterns, uh, starting from the top of page 40-ish. The answers will be one sentence unless otherwise specified, and multi-part questions are simply one sentence answers split up by commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Basically, in English, what that means is that we're going to read the material once through, then redirect the information a second time through the question and answer format. Notice how the language in the questions give us a new light in which to consider the study material. This is important because hearing the question and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending really the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, observations based on what was just read. If you have had spiritual experience with this information, you're free to share. If not, this is a you know, great, write some notes and ask your sponsor. Uh, if you've got something to share, if you have experience, feel free to call us. We do got some suggestions on the call-ins tonight. Yeah, we, we would ask that you have 90 days sobriety to call and to focus on what, what uh, Mike Chase just said, based on what was just read. However, do I get to say this? Yes, 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 I love this yes, one. Yes, Big book study is not therapy. That, what I just did is therapy. Should you begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different, i.e. sponsorship setting, please do not be offended when we cut that conversation short. For that purpose, we have fellowship meetings before and after our study. You know, you don't want to broadcast a fist step to a bunch of alcoholics. You know, and what we're doing is we're really setting formats for the future. Because in the future, of course, it'll be much more convenient than this. This is archaic to what in 10 years what it's going to be like. And we'll, it, we will have set those that you don't go into a, a, a virtual meeting and unload a lot of personal problems that get broadcast all over the that's why. That's why I think these virtual meetings will never replace actual AA meetings because the need for personal contact and the ability to talk to other people and interact find a sponsor, right. Right. okay, will always be important for anybody in trying to achieve recovery. Sure. You know, in my early recovery, I will never forget sitting out outside the church, showing up 45 minutes before, sitting there with John D., John D., talking, 
helping me and then getting into the, then going into the meeting and actually being brought to some information through AA. I needed that before and after, but well, not I, during I, the meeting. I just picture future AA meetings like uh, 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 Princess Leah being broadcast out of R two D two. Help what, me, Mike Chase. You're my many, only hope. How many pounds is that going to add? <laughs> but, you know, you can never go wrong by just commenting on the pages, which brings us to the words of one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sobriety, freedom from alcohol, and the teachings and the practice of the 12 steps, get a load of this, is the sole purpose of any Alcoholics Anonymous group. And when I say soul, I mean soul, brother. So tonight is, get a drum roll, please. This is our 30th session, which means 33 weeks ago we started on page zero. (laughs) I hear some ringing going on, Mike. Um, We started 33 weeks ago on page zero, which is we always start in the forwards especially with a newcomer, because it's nice. It's actually, it's, 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 it's very important for them to know what they're getting themselves into. A little history of Alcoholics Anonymous, how it got started, some of our struggles, some of our successes, but it gives them an idea of what type of organization they're going to spend the rest of their life hanging out with. We don't want to do this, we don't want to do this bait and switch stuff, do we? It is the rest of your life. So, so if you, either way it works, right? Anyway, Long and happy or joyful. Right. Um, but Once we have to in, admit, in. in the forwards, like they they might sound a little fanatical, a little zealous, but in the doctor's opinion, explains to us why we're that. So we have a do- we have a chapter called, well, the doctor's opinion, and and which tells me exactly from a non-alcoholic viewpoint why I'm an alcoholic, right? What the what the uh, physiological, mental uh, obsessions are, and how I can identify with that, and then that leads me to the first real story, which is. Oh, ironically, hey, Bill's Bill story. It's <laughs> a common name, like Jesus. Yeah. Certainly not my story, but, but, but certainly one that I can identify with uh, beyond the fact that my name is also Bill. You weren't in World War I? No, I was not in World War okay. I. I was in the Civil War. Um, in Bill's story, the, the most important stuff. thing, and the reason why I believe it's the first story, is because... Uh, the, the Bill wants us to understand what his experience was, and uh, he wants to demonstrate a typical alcoholic experience. Uh, it shows the progression of the disease and how it moved forward, and it, and it gave some of the calamities that he experienced so that others could identify, and that's the key to this, right. is that others must be able to identify. If I'm reading this book, if I'm an alcoholic or, or the family member of an alcoholic, hopeful of some kind of solution, uh, they can say, yes, I understand this. This is, this is not my exact experience, but damn close. Uh, I've had a lot of the same experiences. Bill goes through the process of troubled drinking, and then uh, it becomes a serious problem. And then it becomes necessary drinking, and then he drinks for the for the for the most devastating reason of all, oblivion. Uh, oblivion. And anybody who's shares my alcoholic experience or Bill's, At the a other summer Bills, house in oblivion. Yeah, uh, understands drinking for oblivion. I just want to block out the world because oh I can't God. cope. But it, also, but it also gives us hope because it shows Bill's emergence from this and the process that he went through, and it gives us hope. For those of us who are hopeless, there is hope. And the very first thing that I recall when coming into AA, reluctantly, hopelessly, was a sense of hope. And uh, I hope that 
anybody who reads Bill's story will not only identify with Bill's experience with drinking, but also the sense of hope that could come from the, the possibly reading the rest of the book. So the newcomer will notice in Bill's story there's a lot of reference to God, um, spiritual matters, church, and, and his ministers. With it. Yeah. yeah. So we have a whole chapter to help us deal with that, and that chapter is called. Uh, there is a solution, which is what gives us, which what brings us all together in a single conformity. That where we don't have to ask what's the answer. We get told the answer right away. When I got here, just briefly, I. I before I ever went to a meeting, the guy that eventually sponsored me, I met him at a car wash, and I said, look, you're in AA. Tell me what the 12th step is. I don't want all that gobbledygook to get there. Because I thought it was like transcendental meditation. I thought you had to start with level 1 and work your way to level 12, mm. and then they told you the secret, and you could just use that. So I said, I don't want to go to all this crap. Just tell me what step 12 is. I'll get sober, and I'll be good. And he said, okay, I'll show you what... Step 12 is I'll come by tomorrow and pick you up. Yes, and it says there is a solution. Yeah, the single solution. They tell us up front what it is. And the solution is power. And we have two sources of that power. The power of the fellowship, which supports us and encourages us and teaches us. And then we have the power of the vital spiritual experience, the vital spiritual awakening, which comes from working the steps. And if you think about everything they brought up, so far, and then the solution. That's a lot of work. So what can we do to get all this without any work towards it? So we got a chapter called More About Alcoholism, right, which, which shows, which shows us right? the humiliation necessary and what's necessary in order to have that spiritual change and what happens to people who don't have a spiritual change. You know, it's interesting because over the last few weeks that we've been reading this chapter, I, I, I realize that the title isn't really... It, it, it's very specific. It's not more about the solution which is what I kind of thought about because I focused on the word more, right? More about the single solution. It's more about the disease, more about the, the, the humiliation because every, every example they give are failures. Yeah. There, are no, there are no happy stories yet. Everyone that we get is, is them that get run over or in an asylum <laughs> or repeatedly beat up because... It's describing what happens where you are now and what's coming in the future well, if you don't yeah. treat this alcoholic. Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, if you're a typical alcoholic like I was, you know, you, you, you read Bill's story and you say, yeah, I can identify with that. And, yeah, I can see where there's some hope. And, <laughs> I'm good. And then he reads, there is a solution. Well, thank God that there's a solution. But do I really need this? Well, and then do I Jim do said, I really right? need it? Yeah, and and it Jim talks goes, about. I like what you guys brought. I'm good. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> it talks about illusion, and delusion, and, and obsession of alcoholism and the state of mind immediately prior to the taking of the first drink, and that's really important because if we didn't take the first drink, we wouldn't we wouldn't get drunk. And almost every story says what the old timers used to tell me before I was an old timer is. No, he didn't just suddenly drink. Somebody that relapses in the group. He didn't just suddenly drink. He was setting that up for the last several months. We've been watching him and warning him, and he still just disregarded our warnings. Hey, I don't see at meetings enough. Hey, what are you doing spiritually? What are you doing in service? And then he's drinking. And everybody- You tell somebody they're in relapse... And they say they get really offended because I'm not drinking. It's like it's a warning. It's like you're right. not relapsed. The drink is weeks, months right, past right. the relapse stage. Kind of like catching a cold. 
Yeah. <laughs> or any Anything. virus. For 14 that days later, something like that. So, <laughs> luckily, days. we're in the part of more about alcoholism where a solution is actually presented that he's willing to follow. And apparently, it's a good ending. I, I never I, I assume that he ended up good on the other end. We're going to find that out. So, Bill, would you start reading from. Friend uh, as a partner? In this frame of mind. Oh, no, let's do let him tell you about it, because that's a good one. Because we're going to get out of the last run, into some drinking, into some solution. Page page 40. Oh, okay. I I felt like... Let him tell you you about it. Let him tell you about it. All right. Well, well, Fred, up to this point, uh, has been a a, a Stoltworth guy, apparently no trouble with alcohol. He has a difficult time with alcohol, goes into into a rehab, a hospital, to settle his nerves. And they give him, they tell him all about alcoholism, and he goes, thanks a lot, I appreciate that, but I'm not an alcoholic, see ya. (laughs) Cheers. Shortly after that, uh, he has another experience. Boy, was that an experience. And they they tell us a little about it, but then they said, you know what, let Fred tell you about it. So let him tell you about it. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been unusually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident that it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. Now, if he had been a problem-heavy hard drinker, that would have been successful for him. But he's not, apparently. Well, and again, it goes back to, you know, right. the, the first several chapters. Am I, am I really, do I really need this program? Do mm-hmm. I I'm a wonderful solution. I see it. This is sort of like the last chance to sneak out the door as I'm not an alcoholic. Yep. Right. That's the, the that's final the, decision. We're, we're at just in front of step one. Yep. Just in front of it. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. One day, I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before, before during this particular dry spell, so there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. You know, on the top of my page, I have this written, the slip ends on the drink. And back in the days, years ago, sobriety used to mean sobriety loses its priority, which it had in him in the previous chapter. Well, you know, I drank when I was miserable to, so that I would stop feeling miserable, but I drank when, every, when there was not a cloud on the horizon and everything was going well. Sobriety had lost yeah, its sure. priority. I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all. Nothing more. I ordered a cocktail with my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. <laughs> After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and sour. had one. Yeah. I remember having several more that night and plenty <laughs> next morning. 
I have a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxi cab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came the hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering. Must have run out of money. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. By the way, this is where the question and answer part starts, so pay a little extra attention. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. So I'm going to quickly take us to page 24 that helped amplify and explain that to us. We call this the untreated box. The fact is that for most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. I now remembered what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they had prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come, I would drink again. They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way to some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen and more. For what I had learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that the problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. Step one. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I didn't (laughs) like so much, and then asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I had to concede both propositions. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality such as I had exhibited in Washington was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. The process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. He's still fighting it. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Can I jump to another page and sort of just read through what that is? Can you'll I find this you? on You'll find this on the second page of uh, forward to the second edition. And this was, this was Bill. He could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford group. He was convinced of the need of moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity and belief and dependence upon God. And back in those days, the four absolutes do as guideposts. So that's the, the spiritual answer and program of action, which hundreds of them had followed successfully. Though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the the window. That was not easy. But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, and in fact, it proved to be. Step two, step three. And here's the solution. 
quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. I have since been through, brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying, I hope more useful than the life I had lived before. My old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. I would not go back to it even if I could. Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. He had felt only the first dip of the ringer. Most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. One of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic plight is, in my opinion, correct. correct. As to two of the men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that they were 100% hopeless, apart from divine help. Bingo. Had you offered yourself as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you if I had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking, though not a religious person. I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. Once more, and in case you hadn't gotten it up until now, they just want to pound this into your head. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. I've got this list on the, written on the bottom of my page, which says, meeting makers drink. <laughs> if all they do is make, this is for the Zoomers, right? If all they do is make meetings, you need to find God via the program found in this book, if right. you're, at least if you're, of Alcoholics Anonymous. If you're in your PJs in bed just listening, that might have been for you. So we're going to start the question and answers. By the way, we have a new phone number to use tonight. Somewhere I have it written down. Give us that number, Mike Chase. All right. If you wish to give us a call tonight, the number is area code 954-405-9345. And for you, for you people, please, 954-405-9345. If somebody who wrote that down wants to like put it in the comments in Zoom and Facebook Live, that might help the folks. If anybody here, we have... Four people in the room, masked up. If you guys want to feel like jumping in and sharing, we have the podium you can run up to. Bill will hide off in the side room for a moment or two. Social distancing. Um, so first question is going to start on the bottom of page 41, the very bottom paragraph. And once again, this is referring to him. Are we going to go one, two, one, two? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. You guys did good with that? Unless I fight you for one. <clears throat> Doc, as you soon look as like a wrestler to me, you son of a gun. I've surrendered. <laughs> Doc, as soon as his mind cleared, someday hopefully, what did he do? Ding, 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 ding. As soon as his mind cleared, oh, that's your question. As soon as I regained my ability to think, that was my whole problem, by the way, was my ability to think. I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Bill, you got a good one here. Had he resisted the first drink? Oh, my God, squiggly writing. (laughs) Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. Next question. 
Was his consciousness of the fact that, was he conscious of the fact he had taken a drink? This time I had not thought of the consequences at all. This is a note from Krusty Cliff. Have you ever found yourself drinking and couldn't remember where or what you were doing when you took that first drink? A lot. I suddenly or, changed my or, mind. You know, to get put the cart way in front of the horse here, you know, we're, we're going to get in a page that says all my problems, right? And if we look back to this, this is another one of those all? medicines that attach to every problem I have is that this time I had not thought of the consequences at all. That I can apply that to almost every time I've gotten myself in a tight squeeze is I started taking steps without being aware of consequences. Of course, we rationalize and delusionize right, the... Delusion. Right. Next question. This is for well, you, wait Bill. Wait a minute. Re- oh, re- remember, remember, we went through <clears throat> Bill's story. We went through a discussion of uh, uh, the solution. Mm-hmm. And, and now this chapter, th- this is for the guy who says, yeah, I, it's a great solution, and, and I can identify with Bill's story, sort it's of. good for you. But do I really <laughs> need this, okay? And, and this is the conundrum that many alcoholics have to fight with, and that is, why do I take the first drink? And this chapter talks constantly about taking the first drink, because how many of us have absolutely, for God's sakes, for children's sake, for parents' sake, wife's wow. sake, swore right. off never again, I'm never going to end up in handcuffs again, and then I take the first drink. So, so this is really focused on why do I take the first drink? And there's that big gap that Bill talked about when his mind, right, page 37, one of the two definitions of insanity, right? One of them is the inability to think straight. And Bill walks down thinking, I don't have money to pay for my hotel room, my stay here. And he hears the bar. And in a second, he goes, I could just sit in there. I could have ginger ale. I could have one gin and tonic. I'll stop at three. Yeah. And his mind went blink, 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 blink. Before he even stepped into the bar, he had already lost control. He had no, no, uh, uh, he was powerless in making a decision. But he, no he was, choice. That's but he was recovered the, the, and he played it through and he made the right decision. Right, but he was recovered. So he was he turned recovered. right rather right. than left. But his mind wasn't recovered. Nah. The real problem with the alcoholic is not the allergy, although that's simple. I mean, if I drink two right. bottles of whiskey right. in a night and get blotto, that's not my problem. My right. problem was, why the hell, I after swearing off, place. did I take the first right. drink? Right. It's, 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 it's the mad bomber that lights a match. It's not lighting the match that does it. It's that he puts it to the fuse and waits for it to explode. And that's what we do. We, it's, it, just like you say, it's not... It's not even that first drink. It's that my mind races past any consequences or anybody or anything, and I have no, I have no choice. So in other words, you're saying, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely yeah. trivial excuse yeah. for taking the first drink. Well, I our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check the couldn't insane idea. I couldn't have said it better, Mark. Excuse. Should be in the book. How about two hours later, my friends come up to me and say, what, what, why are you drinking? I would say, I changed my mind. Oh my I'm God. thinking that I changed no. my mind, but I didn't. I know guys that were flying to a gig to make a lot of money, and they missed their flight, so they went to the bar. Missed <laughs> the flight. And yeah. then they missed everything 
They were there until they closed the bar in the airport and someone had to come and get them. Oh. You know, that they were just blot. They were perfectly sober. I'm off to make a lot of money for a big gig. Oops, I missed that plane. I'll just have one beer. I'll just have one drink. I've got my plane ticket. I'm yep, here. I'm, I'm here. Good. I'm here at the airport. I got a big Whoa. gig. I'm going to. Yeah. Not a cloud. Not a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? And then pretty soon, there's there's an agent at the bar going, "Dude, you, you missed everything." Yeah. Mm. So back into the book, page forty-one, Another the bottom of thing. What did he remember his A? I love this. This is the I told you so part of AA, right? Okay. What did he bottom of its uh, lesson? What did he remember? What did he remember? His AA friends had prophesied. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. And if the alcoholic, I now remember what my alcoholic friends had told me: how they prophesied that if I had an alcoholic mind. The time and place would come, I would drink again. Because untreated alcoholics always end up You have no drinking. choice in drink. You're going to drink. Clearly. Next says. question. What did, this, uh, this is for you, Doc. What did they say would happen in spite of his determination to not drink? They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well... Did that self-knowledge serve him? <laughs> well, just that did happen and more. And For more. what I learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. From this experience, what did he come to know? I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. First step? Bing-ish. Next yeah, question? Yeah, Yeah, what did... I love the first step-ish. What did he learn about self-knowledge and willpower? I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. Boy, that sentence right there is a t-shirt. What else, many words, yeah. but it what is. else did he come to understand? I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. What else did he come to understand? I knew then it was a crushing blow. Did they know the Okay, next paragraph. Um, I think, yeah. Who came to see him? Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. Ooh, three-part question, Bill. What was the first thing they did? What did Bill think of what they did? Or what did Fred <laughs> think of what they did? And what two questions did they ask Fred? They grinned. Ha, ha, ha. Which I didn't like so much. And then asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I like being And really my response would be, well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> to what did he concede? I had to concede both propositions. Bill, you get two sentences again. What did they pile on him? Two full sentences. They piled on me heaps of evidence yeah, to the effect that an alcoholic mentality such as I had exhibited in Washington was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. What, Doc, what did this do for him? This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. There is a lot of spaghetti going on in this last paragraph. So if anybody wants to 
jump in and mention, you know, throw some comments in on this paragraph, this is the time to call right in. If anybody in the room wants to come in and, you know, jump on a mic and share their experience. Or Bill and Doc. Well, what do you guys got to for You know, I, again, I, I love AA's approach to this <clears throat> whole thing. I mean, this guy had an experience. He's flat on his back. He's feeling miserable. And, and he, know, he knows he had this experience. Okay, there's there's no debating. He knows he had the experience. He he experienced it, and they paralleled his experience with their experience to reinforce what exactly had happened to him, so that he could have a clear understanding of what the hell was going on with him. And and uh, uh, they didn't say to him, "Yes, you're an alcoholic. You're you're this. You're that." They just said, "Yeah, we we get it. <laughs> we we had the same experience." So the process of identification is extremely important, that, that I'm an alcoholic just like you. Let me, help me to find the answer you found. Which is why they could grin. I, I just want to make two points without sounding too highbrow, but that his experience is what Aristotle talked about, about how the only way you start to be educated is with this violence that starts that process. And that, that we call it hitting the bottom or being beat down. The beat generation talked about that. But once, once I hit a solid wall, once I have that violent change in my life, I'm pretty open-minded at that point. And I like that that paragraph, uh, they, they tell him, they pile on heaps of evidence to show him beyond a doubt he is 100% hopeless which takes us across the, the, the gap to the right-hand page, 43, that, that says that 100% hopeless, uh, apart from a divine help, can't, will not survive. This, so that, at that moment, that, that evidence where everything has gone, he's hit, that's, you know, he has that epiphany, he's at, the, he's at 100% hopeless, and at that moment is when he's wide open to this divine help. Otherwise, he's, he's still got that flicker, I like how he wrote it, that last flicker of conviction that I could do it myself. Well, re- remember our experience. I mean, uh, we've spent a lifetime <clears throat> telling ourselves we're self-sufficient. Well, and our parents, we can, we our can handle, we can, And all of society. All of society, all right. Of society Every say, If you were a decent person, if you were an honorable person, you know, if you had any character. Right. Take you control could, of your life. You, yeah, you can, you can do this. So, so all of <laughs> these things, all of these things have to be overcome by, by the, the fact of your own personal experience. And that experience has to be intense enough and strong enough to change all of those opinions. Right, and it's, it's like the 12 and 12 says, nobody, nobody likes to admit complete defeat. Sure. Right, and, and I think that not only do I have everybody in my youth telling me to grab the bull by the horns and grow up, grow up, make life happen for you, but I think even more so of all my previous failures, and I put them in a box marked, I didn't use enough willpower on this, this was my fault. And so when I get to my, my drinking out of control, it goes in the same box. That I just, I haven't applied enough willpower is my problem. Not that willpower is the problem, it's that lack of enough of it, and I still have that one little flicker of conviction. If I would have just gone that last foot I'd have been okay. Think of all the illusion 
and delusion <laughs> and rational lies that I had to tell in order to cope up to this point. Yeah. And, right. and, and in I... everything. I, yes, and I deeply believed in those illusions, delusions, and rationalizations. And, and it, it, it took a lot to, to convince me that they weren't right because I wanted them to be true. Were they you weren't. Drink, were you drinking when you were working? <laughs> he wasn't working. You, you mean, did I ever fall asleep on my desk at work? Because <laughs> like you had, you had like a, a, a white-collar job when you were drinking, Yeah, right? I did, I end. did, I did. Uh, Not me, I, I had like a office guy. A collarless. Yeah, you know, I was blessed with a white light in 84, and I didn't have to do any real AA step work to get that white light, and I hung on to it for a few years, you know, but after like 14, 15 years, it... I drank, you know, and uh, coming back in 2004, I was just waiting for that to be blessed light, white light again. Mm-hmm. I was a meeting maker. I was service. Problem. I was doing everything except the work. I, I knew the steps. We discussed the steps. We talked about my problems. I did all that stuff. And I, I remember I came to in 2006. I came to in Monday morning. Just like Jim, I knew that I was going to drink myself to death, that I was a hopeless drunk, and there's nothing that this stuff isn't going to work for me. So I went to my home group, and I freaked everybody out. And the guy in the back, short little guy with knobby fingers, says, Mike Chase, I'll bring you through the book. And I'm thinking, not the book. (laughs) One of those people with duct tape. That afternoon, right after the meeting, a few guys took me out to dinner, and we got out in the parking lot afterwards, and I asked God to keep my sorry ass sober. The next day they got me in the book. And I haven't had a drink since because mm-hmm. I did what needed to be done to get. I tried everything else, but when I finally did the program, found the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it got me sober. And continuing to effectively work with sponsees keeps me sober. So the day before, you had that aporia, that violent ending mm. to one life and started a yes. different one. Rebirth. Yeah, I, I can remember coming into work. And I was working in a very conservative organization. Yeah, tied, that's why. I, ties, ties and everything. I love thinking about Coming it. into work <laughs> with the same suit, tie, and shirt <laughs> that I was wearing the day before, except with a hole in the knee from where I fell down. <laughs> Did you watch it? And, and, and have to walk down a gauntlet of young secretaries pointing and giggling because they knew Bill had been on a, one of his rough nights. <laughs> and, and, I, and I died bleeding from my eyes all day at my desk. Oh, my God. And, then, uh, and swore that I would never subject myself to that to humiliation until that night when on my way home. I stopped, it wasn't that bad. I stopped for a drink just to calm myself. Did, if I can ask, did you, did you start thinking about that drink? When did you quit thinking about the humiliation and start thinking about going to the bar? I mean, did that happen in the afternoon? Was it gradual? Was it instant? Did it hit at 5 o'clock? I or? raced to the bar that night. But you were humiliated till 5 till 5? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I'm that's, telling that's you, it was, a, it, was a burning, it was a burning humiliation. And you know what? I didn't get sober for at least 10 years more after that. Yeah. We've got an amazing paragraph that we're going to okay. read and we're going to take out because okay. we're going to finish this chapter one yeah, of these we're days. At a, we're we're going to touch on We're going to wrap eight, it up next week. But we're going to go to page 42. The question is going to be, once he admitted defeat, what did they tell him? Take it, Doc. Uh, then they... 
outlined? I, where am I? Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program oh. of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Beautiful. Did they have difficulty accepting? Did he have difficulty with accepting the concept of the program? Though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. Unless you had another opportunity to try something else. Right. Did, how did he feel about putting the concepts into action, though? But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. What would, you have, what would he have to do? It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. Mm. Like that what, I can handle. Was this going to be easy? That was not easy. Old <laughs> attitudes, ideas, and beliefs must be oh removed. What happened to Fred as soon as he made up his mind to adopt the program? But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved. Why as, would I go through all this work if I be. don't need to? It took me two years of trying to prove to myself that I could quit my own willpower before I went to the extent necessary. But do we see how God takes an absolute, within moments, takes an absolutely hopeless condition, and as soon as he opens his mind, willingness eventually sprouts from it. It, it takes but minutes or seconds. And then God graciously gives him a feeling, right? The sunlight of the spirits, what the book calls it, all different religions have another name for that God spirit, right, that enters you. And it enters him, and he calls it a curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Well, you know, all alcoholics, including myself, of course, uh, have a hard time m making this admission, okay? But I have to give credit to those of us who have recovered, because at some point we said enough. There are many, many people, like my brother, who refused ever to, to, to accept that, no matter what happened it's to so him. so close. He was it's shot. so close. He was shot. He, he was so down and depressed about his situation that he tried to kill himself by shooting himself with a forty-five revolver, and the poor son of a bitch woke up in a locked oh, ward God. in the hospital, handcuffed to the bed. Worse. Years late, years later, he was found dead of an overdose. You know, some people just just won't surrender. So you you have to say something. You know, by God's grace, I'm 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 recovered. But 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 I get some credit for that too. Right. You know that one moment yeah. changes all of your reality, and God graciously goes, "You made the thing. I'm going to give you the feeling that you're all right." God, God got me so sober. So close from but, here but to I, here. But like I allowed that. him. I allowed you him. Allowed I let him, him in. Right. I finally surrendered. From open-mindedness to willingness to grace. 2004 to 2006, I was the I got this guy. I, I had 15 years before. I know what to do. I'll just do what I did before. I got this thing, but I'm relapsing. I'm white chipping the whole time. But I got this thing. I'll figure this thing out. It wasn't until I said, I don't, stood up and said, I don't got this thing. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. What do I got to do? And then Ross with his little, I'll bring you through the book, was my moment of, I'll do whatever it takes. The old timers used to tell me. And go, then God has drink. taken away the obsession to drink. Since then. Since then. The old timers used to say, you know, to all those who were trying all sorts of other things that aren't in the book, and say, you know, 
these, these guys that wrote this book, this wasn't the only thing they tried. Mm-hmm. They'd only put the things that worked in the book. Yeah. So stick with the book. You know these things actually work. Yeah, What's the next great? question, Michael? Oh, um, I think we're done with that pretty. We're going to do one more paragraph? Yeah. Okay. What else but a very... Next paragraph. What else of a very important nature did he discover? Uh, quite, qu- as quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. And what kind of life did this decision bring him into? I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying and I hope more useful than the life I lived before. That's why I I emphasize and re-emphasize this is not just a practical program for recovery. It's more, more importantly a practical program for living. That's right. What would his old life, what was his old life like, and B, what would he not trade for? And, and here is a misquoted line often, you know. My I would trade my best, or I'd trade my best day drinking for my worst day sober. Right? What I mean, does it, it really gets, say? It's, it's, it really says, my old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. I would not go back even if I could. Why is that? Why wouldn't you trade? Because I'm living on a different uh, plane now. I have a, a common solution. I have a solution to all my problems. So even then, when I had peaks and valleys in life, and I felt good or I felt bad, and I was still getting loaded through all of it, today... When I have a peak and valley, I know that, that I'm not going to die from it. I'm not in this cloud of despair. I know that, that eventually I work my way to the hub, and there are a lot fewer peaks and a lot fewer valleys. Can I key you up really quick? Lay it on me. You always talk about what's the difference between happiness and joy. That's right. That's, take well, it. And that's it. it. Excel. Happiness, These happiness, people don't know this out great. there. Great. Happiness, the root word of happiness is happy. It means it means happy, happy, excuse me. <coughs> I was happy back in the old days. Right. Sometimes. Happy actually transliterates to luck. But hap is a Nordic word which means quilt, which transliterates to comfort. So if you're lucky in life, if you're comfortable in life, that's happiness. And joy is not a higher level of that. Joy is only generated by the divine. So now on this side of the fence... Even my worst days, I have joy. Mm-hmm. And back then, the best I could motivate is happiness. And that's me. I mean, I can make myself comfortable. God doesn't make me comfortable. That's happiness. But once I let go of that, and, and the interesting thing about joy is we feel it most when we think least about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like when we see a little baby, there's something in us that we immediately quit thinking of us and think of that baby, and you feel joy. Most people feel joy around a baby or, or something beautiful or something wonderful or, or an act of kindness or those kind of things where we quit thinking of us and we move all of our thoughts to the well-being of others and we experience that joy. And it's, we cannot make it. It's divine only. Can I see a show of hands? Should we just take this page out and go a little minutes late, a few minutes late tonight since... 
I had not you, so let's finish it up. Let's finish it up. Okay, next, next paragraph. If I can make a comment, the reason why I wouldn't trade my worst days in recovery from my best days in prior uh-huh. is because today, you know, when, when I have a bad situation, and in my AA recovery experience, 30 years, 31 years, I've had some really bad times, times when I thought I was at the sure. bottom, you know, lower than whale turds, okay? And, and the first thing I do when these bad things happen is drop my kit of spiritual tools. First thing. And then I'm, and then I'm devastated. But because I have the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, which I have personally experienced works, Absolutely. people are able to reawaken me to the, to the uh, possibilities of recovery. And, and I slowly start applying the, the, the program again, and I work my way out. So, so the difference is I have a way out that I know works. Right, absolutely. And, and, have, and the more you use it, first of all, a commendation for actually using the right words with it is a kit of spiritual tools, not a, I get oh. blasted with spiritual toolkit. It's not a spiritual toolkit. There's no such thing as a spiritual toolkit. It's a kit of spiritual tools, and that's great. But the longer you play with them, the quicker you pick them back up, right? True. Fasten your seatbelt. You're in for the ride of your life. Here we go. Like a roller. So what does Fred's story do? <laughs> Fred's story speaks for itself. What are our hopes? We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. And remember, they're referring to the first 6,700 alcoholics. Out yeah. There, right? you and yeah, we hope Who have you had that experience. They're not like guessing about it. They've experienced through it. Had the severely suffer, Had he severely suffered from alcoholism? He had felt only the first nip of the ringer. Yeah. Ow! I like that. But most alcoholics get, get do most alcoholics get off easy? Most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled, ringer, mangler, before they really commence to solve their problem. Keyword in that sentence is most, not all. My right. I, my bottom was pretty push, clushy, cushy, wishy. Like well, that. that and that's what aporia is—is is that violent change, and it's different for every person. Right. You know, sometimes it could, a bottom, a complete devastation can be just emotional. I read Bill's story, and on the second page of Bill's story, I'm ready to get sober, and he's got like eight more pages. <laughs> just like just, this, Bill said, ten like, years later. Ten years later. How I, many? Hey, I came in thinking I was a really high bottom alcoholic, <laughs> barely over the line. <laughs> After after being in AA for a while, I realized I'm lucky to be alive. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Thank you. How do many doctors and psychiatrists feel about our conclusions? Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. Amen. Um, what did one such professional say? Hey, rest of the paragraph. Excellent. One of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. As to two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Had you offered yourselves as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you if I had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect 
for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. I tried every quote, one. It didn't work period, for me. Period, quote, un- end of paragraph. Yeah, if you got one, let me know. Yeah. You know, um, and that's it. And, and we get... We get confused that AA is, is selling something else. That, you know, you got to do your fourth. You got to do your eighth. You got meeting makers make it. Blah, 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 blah. No, service will keep you sober. Blah, blah, blah. No, it says right there, there's virtually no other solution than divine help. That's what the paragraph says. If someone came to me and absolutely guaranteed me with a million dollars bonus if, if it doesn't work, okay, mm-hmm. that they had another solution where I could drink, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with it. Oh, because, God, no. because what am I gaining and what am I losing? Right, yeah. right. I agree. This. I'm going to gain the opportunity People to like drink this. alcohol and risk losing sobriety. Uh, that's a bad deal. Yeah, like if they came up with a pill that let me be drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the, no the, thank you. The, the side effects are a conscious contact with my divine higher power. Exactly. And that's that's the real thing, okay, that if I lost that. <clears throat> that's right. Okay. That's right. Last. That's what, that's what David said. Take everything, but leave my anointing. Last paragraph. You know that, David. Got Once pain. more, what, Bill? I, I love it. You know, I mean, they've been pounding it. They've been pounding it into our head. You know, Listen here's here's four examples. There's Bill's story. There's There's... All Fred and Jim and Jay Walker. But listen, and in case you weren't Rowan. paying attention, yeah. okay, just add this to the end of just, the just, just in case this slips by Collins. you. <laughs> With colons, right. Yeah. Here it is, colon. Once more, <laughs> colon, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Can except- a human being provide the alcoholic defense from the next drink? Except in a few rare cases... Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. Honey, come home, please. So you ask a newcomer, so every time you drink, can you guarantee how much you're going to drink? And immediately go to like that one time back eight years ago. Yes, there was that. Yes, one time I went to a wedding and I only had three drinks. So I'm not an alcoholic. Would you get but on that's a plane? one time in eight Wait years? Wait a minute, Michael. There's one last question. One last. Here we go. What is an alcoholic's only certain defense? His defense must come from a higher power. But I don't believe in this God thing. Too late. You're I'm on, having a real well, problem with it. See we that, got a chapter. What, see, what can I do about that? Oh my gosh! There's a whole chapter called "We Agnostics." That's what a great son of a You're gun. good at that. Where it says the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. So, so of course, that's a, a, a loophole for me at certain times. But i got to say, would you get on an airplane? At with, certain times it would crash? At certain times it's going to crash? You ever been on spirits? You know for certain? At certain times it will absolutely crash. No, this is the one I'm not getting on. <sighs> you, good, can't, you, good can't day, heal, right? you can't heal a sick mind with a sick mind. So the purpose of the so the purpose of the more about alcoholism is to lock us into the fact I'm screwed unless I do the spiritual thing about it. But I've got a problem with spirituality, so we follow up with we agnostics. My personal experience is when I get a sponsee and start them on page zero who has some issues with the God thing, by the time we've got them into this thing, that's long ago. We have they right. have been able to get over their God issues, their spiritual issues. 
all all issues, and the mm. whole thing about well, more we agnostic even just opens up the worms even more for it them. Says more it's comfortable. It's beating us into a position of open mindedness. Yeah, the the book, and when you read the book from page zero, it's perfectly laid out to to get to a position. So when you finally do get to we agnostics, I'm not fighting it really anymore because. I've decided I have no other way to go, and I'm cool with God because, in my case, we've been praying and meditating and talking about God for like how many eight sessions, nine sessions, at three hours a session. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe there's a Poor true guys. atheist. Okay, my next door neighbor for years was a psychiatrist and, and a brilliant guy and a nice guy. We were close friends, and uh, he he was an atheist. And we were taking a walk one day and talking, and and, and I said, you know. Um, you know, when, when, what do you believe in? He says, oh, there's, there's nothing there. I said, okay, that, that's okay. I said, when you sit quietly with yourself and thoughts come to you like inspiration or intuition, what do you call that? I said, I call that God. So whatever, so, so if you have those things, well, first of all, I said to him, I, I hear voices, and then the psychiatrist, smart ass, says, yeah, well, we have medicine for that, okay? But then I said, well, no, I'm talking about intuition and inspiration. And I said, to me, that's God speaking to me. So if you can believe in that, that's, that's, a, that's enough right there. Now, you want to throw any kind of religi- religiosity around that? Fine with me if that helps you with that process, okay? But that's enough for me. And, and it took me a while to get there because I had to get through a lot of religious dogma that had been, that had been propagated on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so uh, when they say his defense must come from a higher power, it's not telling us what to believe, or how to believe. It's just saying, believe. Yeah, yeah. well, it's the, it's the exit from Plato's cave. It's, it's, it shows that we're in, an absolute, we're in a place that we cannot live. And then it's going to show us, if we go back to the doctor's opinion, it shows us that it's, we can't even differentiate the true from the false. So we're in no position. We, we were, he was just shown that every thought he had was wrong. And he's going to have to throw most of them out the window and all they say is, we're not, we're not going to make you swallow the big basketball pill now. We're just going to tell you there, there is hope, there is an exit, and that exit is something higher than you, a power greater than you, that's all. And that it will work, and we'll explain it later. I'm, I'm, I'm here and for my, my, my congregation of, for the religion Maguism. And if you can subscribe to my congregation of Maguism, then you've made a start. And I asked my friend Magoo, do you believe, and this is my buddy Magoo that I've known since grade school. I said, hey, Magoo, do you believe in God? He goes, I don't know, but there's something. And if you can believe in that basic precept of my religion, then you've made a start. That's coming up in the next few So I I think it's going to be safe to say (laughs) that this next chapter is going to be like watching a tennis match for me. It's going to be fantastic. One of my best friends was the editor of the Humanist magazine, which had like 3 million subscribers. So humanists are their own religion. Although they claim not to be a religion, the the United States government uh, classifies them as... Speaking of God... He will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Wonderful? Ask him in the morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. 
The answers will still come if your own house is in order. But you obviously can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. And they're not saying that you have to become a monk or a guru or a shaman to pass it on. You have to have that just I think first I, the maguism. I think if you ask that question and a thought comes back to you, you've made conscious contact yeah. with with something. Doc. Abandon yourself to God as you <clears throat> understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. You know, when we meet in person, it's the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group member sponsors to introduce their new sponsees to the family of alcoholics by presenting with what we call as a, a sponsorship medallion. If you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and you've got a new sponsee and you want to introduce them to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, give him... Give him your give your friends his phone number and maybe introduce him on Facebook on a private page or zoom him out as far as we go. Uh, do we have anybody celebrating a year or more of recovery this past few weeks that would like to pick something up or talk about it? Happy birthday! Good, go get a newcomer and work with the steps. Um, yeah, March March fifteenth was my what was my anniversary. Happy I didn't get birthday! A, I didn't get a chance to celebrate it. January, f- it is March, isn't March, it? No, no, it's May now. May, yeah. It's Congratulations! May. How many no, years? It went by because you've been indoors. <laughs> March fifteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Wow! Um, <laughs> is any, if anyone's in need of a sponsor, big book sponsor, um, you know, reach out to people that know people that know people. Um, my experience has always been it's best to have a sponsor that you can like, you know, meet face to face and are in the same town and actually in your same home group so they can see you actually behave rather than here I show up as this is me who I want you to see. So if you want to become a member of this group, uh, we'll see you after the quarantine yeah, or right. stay at home. We'll just stay at home. Can all home group members home. wave your hand on FaceTime? Hi, home group members and hi, visitors. Do that last one and do a shameless plug. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hope to see you next week. In fact, we hope to see you later this week. Thursday evening is our Alcoholics and God Step Series workshop, which has been transformed by God himself into a tradition series workshop. And I'll be there at 7.15. And at the, the Zoom same, room opens up at 6.45. And we'll be talking about... Uh, kind of what Bill mentioned, how to apply these traditions to your everyday life, the spiritual aspects of each tradition, and how we use them personally. Just remember, if you're having a bad day, there's probably an alcoholic out there having a worse day. So Nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensively working with other alcoholics. So let's right. get off our, our butts and go purpose. try to help somebody. Yeah, real purpose. So we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. Bill, you want to get us started on that tonight? And we'll all just uh, take us out. Who's always present at an AA meeting, even if it's Zoom? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you guys Thursday. Bye. Bona notte. And you can meet us. Heart is heavy. Soul
his thirsty body's aching Desperately in need of restoration. Yeah, and I am ready for you to take me higher. Yeah, the only thing that I can do is keep on praying. It doesn't matter 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
this broken man I travel far and wide through the great divide through his own heart yeah well I have a life today when it's give away and it's just about to start song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Shot it. 